The Money Show. Other people's money. On to other people's money this evening. And Hulisani Ravel is the host of the Weekend Breakfast Show on 947. Has been in the public eye. I don't want to date you here. <laughs> it's it, it's a, a while. A quarter of a century. <laughs> <clears throat> 25 years, Uncle Bruce, 25. Don't you call me Uncle Auntie. You've been in this business as long as me. <laughs> okay, we'll just call each other Odisani and Bruce. How's that? No aunties, no uncles. <laughs> Tell me how it started. Wow, I was nine years old and the story is I always wanted to be taken to the SABC when the taxi was driving past and my mother was just a, a, a mom who listened to her persistent child, spoke to her sister because my uh, my aunt's neighbor was a girl by the name of Tulufelo Buchemang. She was on a show called, uh, what was she was on Kilio then, Tulufelo, and she was with an agency called Professional Kids. I joined that agency in 1997 and the rest is history. Were you precocious? I was, but I think in a in a, in, a, in an endearing way, because <laughs> that word is not always seen in a positive light, right? But yes, in a very Pre- endearing preco- way. Precocious can be cute. Precocious for for three minutes and then becomes <laughs> annoying. Um, and uh, what was the first gig? The first gig was actually an advert for a jet. It was for a Motorola cell phone. I think it was when the flip phones were coming out then. And I was playing a a young girl who was phoning her grandmother on this new phone. And I remember my line was, hi, Coco, it's Tidi. That was it. (laughs) Hey, we all have to have our first lines. um, And has it treated you well? I mean, have you been consistently in work? Throughout that time, because of course there would be the small irritations like school and all of that sort of stuff. But have you had a big focus on it ever since the age of nine? Yeah, it's been a part of my life ever since. You know, I think it's when when other kids would go to extramurals such as netball or athletics or whatnot, I would be going to TV, you know, whatever form or shape it was taking on. But I still got to do uh, the sporting thing, still did netball, drama. I was still uh, a really good academic, kind of like balanced it all. And yeah, television's been a part of my life. Broadcasting has been a part of my life and it's been a part of my fiber and in the beginning i used to say it's because i was forward and precocious but now i've truly found purpose in my broadcasting we'll find talk about purpose in just a bit uh, when it comes to that that though that sacrifice that you make because clearly you have to sacrifice i you mean there's do. no way that you're going to be as successful as you have been without missing out on a lot of the stuff that uh, kids take for granted. Um, And I I wonder if you sort of regret missing out on some of the sport, on some of the fun stuff that participated, that you participated in. You know, I I didn't miss out so much on the activities on the school front, but I missed out on the ability to just be able to make mistakes that any other child would make, you know? Like, your life is literally under a microscope from day one. I remember being outside a club, not even inside, Bruce, outside a club. And I was called into a meeting with the SABC and the broadcaster and uh, with Urban Brew at the time because some parent had now gone and reported that I was inside a club and I'm underage and I shouldn't be there and what, what, what. So little things like that, you know, when your underage 16-year-olds are doing what underage 16-year-olds do, experimenting and trying with life and all sorts of things, I never got to do stuff like that. So I kind of like develop a little late in those areas in my life because of such things and the ability to just make mistakes and be okay with making mistakes took me a while uh, and have there been costly mistakes have there been have, have there been you know, negatively have there been negative mistakes for you i mean there have been those that you make and you're just like ah 
how are we going to backtrack from this one? And those are that you're like, ah, this one can never be known by anyone. It's just between me, myself, and I, you know. But so they, what? What's, what sort of mistakes are we talking about? I'm joking. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> I'll write those in my memoir one day. <laughs> oh, is there going to be a memoir? Is, has enough happened in this life of yours to make it a worthwhile memoir? Do you think? Not yet. I think give me another ten years. Um, let me get to the point where I have my talk show and I've achieved the things that I truly want to get to and the epitome of where I think my broadcasting career can still go to and then we'll think about it. But I don't think even 25 years in, I'm not ready for, for, for that yet. And to write a memoir, you really have to be ready to pour of yourself. You know, you can't just write a book and say it's a memoir, but you've said nothing. Have you suffered enough? I mean, the memoirs tend to be better if you've suffered. I have had my downs. You know, I think every 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 experience that I've had, I've had moments where um, I've gone to dark places. I've experienced a lot of loss in my life. I have experienced a lot of questioning myself. Um, I've experienced a lot of no's as well in this line of work. And so I do think that I have a lot of lessons to share. I'm just not ready to put them and sit down mm. and write a book because it's quite an experience uh, that one goes on to be able to, to write a, a, a book on your story. How would you tell me about your first no? How old were you when you got your first no? Because you get into this business at nine years old. You join mm. an agency called Pro Kids in 1997. You get the Motorola flip phone ad and you say, Hey, Gogo, it's CD. How cute. <laughs> um, how soon after that does the first no arrive? The first no comes only a few years later because right after that, I get the next sales house ad gig and that's for school uniform. Then I get the Yo! TV gig and that's 1999. And then I got Pull and Friends before that. So no's were not coming for quite a while. The, the, the no's that I really remember were the ones that would come after Yo! TV because what then happened was I was still too cuties, ninnies. Oh, she's still the girl from Yo! TV and nobody was taking me seriously as a little bit of a grown-up now who's no longer on kids' TV. And so those no's that came after that, oh my goodness, there were so, so you know, many. you know then how Harry Potter feels. I mean, <laughs> poor Daniel Radcliffe. He had to take his, stay, his clothes off live on stage to be, and nobody took him seriously then either. There he we buffed go. up. And I mean, yeah, it is. I think it's hard for, for child stars. It um, is, it is. And they, then they throw us with that term, you know, former child star. And you're just like, let's just drop <gasps> the child star part completely. <laughs> Drop the former. Let's drop it all. Let's just, I'm just already signing my bed, okay? <laughs> I'm not there anymore. <laughs> Talk money in a moment because you've been earning since you were nine. I yeah. wonder how sensible you've been. <sighs> we'll pick up, I know, everyone's <laughs> <laughs> in a moment. With Hulisani Ravelle this evening, she is our guest on, um, on our uh, Monday evening feature, of course, and that's Other People's Money. The Money Show. Other People's Money. Hello, Gogo. CD. I've been looking for the audio, but you can only find American <laughs> Motorola ads online. I was going to pretend to be you, but who could be? Oh man, now, digging listen. up the archives. Yeah, digging up the. We're looking for the looking for the skeletons. The small <laughs> and yana skeletons, which is what we do on uh, this particular feature, which is other people's money. We have all sorts of confessions coming through. So you start earning buckets of cash at the age of nine. You've got an agent. You do um, campaigns for sales house and for others. You get to pull in friends. You get to Yo TV. You are by any school kids' standards earning a huge amount of cash. What are you doing with it? I am saving it up because I know that I want to buy my first car the moment I turn 18. And I also know that I need to go to school afterwards. And I don't want to be, you know, uh, too much of a burden to my parents. And I want to be able to help where I can. So that's what I was doing. I was saving up to buy my first car. 
Who was guiding you? Who was advising you? Who was leading the process? There wasn't anyone really that I can say was like a money advisor because at the time, you know, you're so young, you trust everything that your parents do, right? And the, the, the time for me, my, my mom was the parent. And so the money was going into an account and I'm trusting that it's going into an account, right? I, I'm not at that point where I'm going to be contesting how much is there, uh, how things are working. But we get to the point where we now need the money to do what I needed to do. And I'm like, whoa. Why isn't there as much as I thought there would be here, you know? But you then also kind of like um, bring together the, the, the decision and the thinking in your mind of like, you also come from a family where money wasn't always available. You know, we, we grew up in a home and a typical, you know, black family from the township where you had to make a lot happen with a little. And there are so many of you. And my mother being the firstborn of nine children and being a provider for so many and their kids as well, I do understand in in retrospect, I do understand that some of that money was used for those purposes of supporting other people. I will never be able to equate what the amount was. But best believe, Bruce, when I wanted to buy my car and the money was not adding up, I was like, Mm-mm. no, something's not how, right here. How did you respond to that? I mean, how did how did that play out in the family? Because it, it can go in many different ways. I mean, there's obviously feelings of anger at first, um, of disbelief. And then there's the acceptance and the realization of... It is what it is. This is what the situation is, Ekaya, you know, at home. And you needed to help where you needed to help. And so holding and, um, you know, kind of like having that regret and that anger towards anyone in my family, especially my mom, was just not something that was going to happen. And so I just started getting a little sharper about my money and becoming very, uh, not, not controlling, but quite possessive around what was mine and what it is that I wanted to do with my money. I suppose you must relate to Britney Spears a lot. I mean, yes, Britney Spears, who's been held hostage to her own money by her <laughs> father for, for a long period of time. I mean, your circumstances are obviously very different to that. But not having that control forced you to take control, what, at the age of 18 when you became aware of the fact that what you thought was yours had been used elsewhere. Correct. And that, and that's when I started having my first bank account. You know, that was 18, first year of varsity. You're at the student center. They've got one of those activations for one of the banks. And um, just like, nope, we are taking over from now on from the invoicing, everything. Um, you know, I, I started running things myself from, I'd even say late years in my high school time to be able to do that myself because I was like, no, I, I cannot have this happening again. And did you manage to fund those varsity fees? It was an ambition of yours to get the car and fund I the I did. University. I managed to get the car. I actually still drive my first car. 16, what? 16 years later, I still have my first baby. Oh, I like you. I like you more. <laughs> Hold on. What, what is it? It's a VW Polo 1.4. A VW Polo 1.4. 1.4. Yep. Still how as you, reliable. How? But Okay. Has life turned really tough on you or are you just a cheapskate like I am? I am a little bit of both. So there is the circumstances that life throws at you, right? And my right. focus really has been around securing my home. So my bond is my first and my responsibility to be secure in that. Then there was, I wanted to further my education. So I had to get my honors and I had to get a student loan to be able to do that. And then there's the reality that I was faced with when I was younger, which is, there is family and there are family members that need your help in certain ways. <laughs> and for yeah. you to be able to, you know, uh, for, for me, Bruce, I'm breaking generational cycles and 
generational yeah. curses. And for, for my family, a lot of those are financial. And so the responsibility of taking some of the family members to school or providing for this is my reality, you know. And until that is done, I cannot be able to kind of like look at the things that I would like to do for myself. And I, I don't even carry that in a way that's like a negative way. It's the responsibility that is upon me right now. And I'm able to. And in a year's time, I'll be able to do the things that I want to do, especially from a car perspective. <laughs> what What is going to be your cutoff? I mean, what at what point are you satisfied that you've done right by a family that has needed you and you've been privileged enough to be in a position to help mm. and that's a huge I mean I, that that that's a, a huge gift in any family to have somebody who's able to do that and is willing yeah. to do that at the end um, of 2023 how but what, what is the cutoff what is it just a, is it a date or no, is it a it, it, it's about it's or? about particular people you know okay. um you know you can look at within your family and say you know this one and this one have got access to certain things and they've got parents that are working but you know when you look at other family members where no parents were working at the yeah. time and you know you just like the the generational cycle that's going to continue here is that they're always going to need somebody else to help them and if not they're going to be sitting at home and become a problem to someone you know whether it is crime or whatever it is that they turn to in order to be able to sustain themselves and so it's a once they're done with school my responsibility with anybody and everybody is done and everybody is also aware of that and at the same time do, it's not so that they I don't know. do things for myself have you, as well have you, have you had the family meeting oh no everybody knows everybody's clear and, it's also, <laughs> and here's the thing right Bruce I also don't pour from an empty cup so I take care of myself first the only reason I'm able to look after the responsibilities I need to from a family perspective is only after what I have done for myself. You know, if I have the extra money, which I did at the time and I do at this time, that is where it's coming from. It's okay. not coming from a point where I'm like, yo, even I can't rub two nickels together because that helps no one. It really helps no one. So I am okay. Am I doing the things that I would want to do and I can do and, you know, kind of like driving the car I would want to drive? No, but at the end of 2023, Shem, I'm good to go. When you see me buzzing down the streets, in a car that's not my VW Polo, you must know, no, Ukiel, Ukiel has set herself free and she's good. <laughs> what, what, is, what is the, I mean, and again, it's, I, I, I look at cars and I, I'm astounded by the, the level of status that people attach to their cars, mm. which they drive for an hour or two a day. Yeah. Some people, because they drive faster because they're too big and powerful for less time. Um, <laughs> Got and places to be. <laughs> and then they park it in the garage and then maybe they take it out later that night, but they Uber anyway because they're going to have a drink. So nobody ever gets to see the car anyway. I mean, how much how much stead do you put in a car? I'm not a car person in terms of... I'm not of, a car person. In terms of I be. need to be seen in this particular... Like, okay. I would rather buy a house and a holiday home and another property and then look at, you know, what do I feel like driving? But, yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not phased. Okay. So, so your investment strategy and in yeah. when you are um when you are free to do as you please, um it's going to be a property focused strategy. Would you look at share portfolios? Would you look at investment portfolios generally? So, at the moment I already do have shares in different okay. uh you, Oh no, Bruce, when I tell you that I'm giving from an overflow, I need to make sure that I am secure. So Got you. I have made sure of that, you know, um uh, in the way that I run myself as a business, in the way that I look after my accounts, um in the way and, and that's because I've had 
bad mistakes. I, I've made terrible mistakes where I got to months where I didn't have any money. So from an investment perspective, I, I really do use a platform where, because I'm not like, I'm not an economist, so I'm not smart in those things, but I use a platform that's easy and simple to use where I'm like, okay, I've got 10,000 Rand left over. What can I put it in? You look at what the, 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 the shares are saying and you see a little bit of history of what they talk about. And then you're just like, okay, let me put 2,000 here, 3,000 there, 5,000 there. And it's worked out so far. Um, I okay. think what the Sassel shares I bought a while ago and that was look because I heard a friend talking about it and they're talking big money. And I think that's the thing about investment. We think that we need to have 100,000 Rand or lots and lots of money to be able yeah, to play does. the stock market and things like that. And I got this tip off from people that are making big money saying, no, we must put money in here. And I was like, yo, let me take my 5,000 and just put in here and whoo, we're looking good, we're looking green, we're looking nice. <laughs> so, so you don't put, so you're not too concerned about financial advice. You're happy to fly solo, you're happy to pick up tips, you're happy to... Um, wing it a little bit well, on your when, own. When, when it comes to the stock side but when it comes to getting my finances right I've definitely worked with an advisor who helped okay. to clean Good. up the mess you know Good. and to also <laughs> help look at the things where because sometimes you're like overinsured you know you don't realize that you've got your home loan but then they have taken out an insurance policy on that but one of your uh, retirement policies or whatever policy you've got actually uh, what's it called when, when when you die and then the money goes there uh, it, it it's, seeds, it's, yeah, it seeds they, they the money call, to your home loan. It's got the weirdest thing. It's called a death benefit. I don't know where the benefit Those is. Those types of vibes, people, right? Yes. But now it turns out that you're, dou- you're, you're double insured over the same thing. So I've definitely worked with an advisor where we've sat down, we've looked through my budget, we've worked on what are your goals, what do you want to save for, what do you want to do, and being able to kind of like move the money in the place that it needs to move to. And that's why even now you can say to me, can I have money? Do you have money for me? And even though I have money in my account, I don't have money for you. Oh, I don't that, have money for you. That was the next question. No, I, I am very strict on that. And I don't feel sorry for anyone anymore. You know, Aww. there was a time, Bruce, where I would give money and I'd give money to family and I'd give money to this one. And it, 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 it's, it becomes one of those things that the reason that people take, takers are takers because they know they can take from you. And they, you start becoming their financial plan. I'm not your financial plan. I save for the things that I want to save for and I work hard to do the things that I want to do as well. So if you are someone who's even driving a better car than me, living in a better house than me, and you're asking me for money, surely you should be looking at your life and downgrading something somewhere because you can't afford it, you know? Um, and, and I'm just that person now that, that says no with a very clean heart. You know, you should become an, uh, there's an agony auntie column for you at some point. <laughs> Tough love column. Tough love. You will always be their plan if they don't get up and start working and keeping it together and oh. making decisions that are the ones that you're making, which are tough. Bruce, sometimes you say no to certain things because you know you can't afford it right there and then. And sometimes you're saving towards other things. So no, Shem, I remember a family member once saying to me, oh, you said you didn't have money, but you flew business class to London. And I was like, yeah, because I was saving up for that. Hulusani, what a fabulous discussion. <laughs> Hulusani Ravele, catch her every weekend on uh, 947. She presents the breakfast show. And my goodness gracious me, what a fabulous tale of money management and taking control and being most certainly in charge.